Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Michael to talk with us about career management. Michael, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? My name is Michael Gaskill. I'm a uh, director of engineering at Lending Home. Uh, so I coordinate people throughout the day. My happy hour drink favorite is a Mezcal Paloma, Ooh, sweet and smoky. Nice. And what's all in a Mezcal Paloma? <laughs> so uh, Mezcal. Yep. Uh, grapefruit juice typically uh, uh, a syrup of some kind. And then mine happens to have a uh, salted rim, which is delicious. Yeah, I'm drinking the same as delicious. It's really good. Jem, Jem spoiled us a bit today. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's also go around and give introductions of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start off? Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. Uh, Augustus Yoon, Software Engineer at Twitch. Stacey London, Senior Frontend Engineer at Atlassian. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Reflect. 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 So if anyone says the word reflect, reflections, we will all take a drink. All right, well, let's jump right in. What does career management mean to each of you? This is always happens. We all love each other. <laughs> who's going to go first? Yeah, who's going first? I never want to go first because, <laughs> I mean, I always have something to say, but... I try to, try to spread. maybe you should once then, Jem. Come on, that was well played. <laughs> that was a real check, check. That was a good checkmate move if I've seen one. Uh, the way I look at it is, is a job is something you do currently to you know eat, have a roof over your head, stuff like that. Career is your overall trajectory through multiple jobs and throughout life. When I think career management, I think. You need to have a plan to gain that tra- trajectory somewhere. Otherwise, you'll end up somewhere. Like you're gonna have to work, unless you get lucky or you marry someone incredibly wealthy, or you know you kill a guy and steal all his money. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you're always gonna have to work. So it's smart to manage that trajectory about where you want to end up when you're say 50 or 60 or 70. Yeah, I think like career management is also for me about it's all those things, and then. Also, trying to make sure you're thinking, what do I like doing? What is, what is making me happy? And making sure that the the career or the path that you've chosen, you know, matches that because maybe it doesn't. And then you have to maybe, you know, pick a different career and make some really big choices. But that that kind of stuff, I think, feeds into it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I just want to second both of those points. And really just like when, when I think of career management, it's like separating long-term goals and then short-term goals. And it's really important to think of the long-term goals of where you want to be in your career or where you want to be in general in life. And then saying, okay, well, if these are my long-term goals, what can I do right now in the short term to actually meet those goals? I think we've kind of covered a rough idea of what uh, career management is. I'm, I'm curious for all of you, what is the best career decision you've ever made going forward so far? For me, it was actually moving to the Bay Area after many, many years of, uh, of working in, uh, say, uh, smaller tech sectors. Uh, moving to the Bay Area was, was actually a fantastic move for me. I would have to second that, too. Like I found that was a, a pretty great move to just be in, in Silicon Valley, working with like a lot of amazing people, being in the heart of tech. That, that was something that that was the main reason why I moved. So I'm happy I've done that, too. And then I would say another one that I was thinking about was quitting jobs that weren't challenging. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sometimes you know that, hey, this is just not a good, maybe it's not even just challenging. Maybe it's just not a good job and knowing when to pull the plug. I like that. 
there's a few good moves I've made. Obviously, I end up in a pretty good place. But one of the the ones that I recommend the most, and what you just said, is switching jobs when you know you're not learning anything. It's really easy to be comfortable as a human. It, it's what we do naturally. Like we like our routine. We like knowing what's coming up next. And I've seen a lot of smart people miss out. In my opinion, this is definitely my opinion. Like everybody has their own career goals. But I've seen people that I'm like, you know, if you move to New York or the Bay Area or somewhere else, like not where you are, you could do so much more and you can impact so many more people. But they're like, well, you know, interviewing's hard and I really got it good here and I get a 10% raise every year and I know it's coming down the pipe and it's it's really easy to be comfortable. So the best career moves I've made are ones that get me out of my comfort zone and it was scary and I didn't know what was going to happen. But you got to take a chance somewhere and that's I, if I had life advice, it's you won't become successful without taking chances. You you just won't. Like you have to gamble sometimes and hope and trust yourself that you made the right call. But I also want to uh, second what Jem and uh, Michael said. Like honestly, um, I I was at Evernote for like five years, and I love Evernote. It's a great great place to work. Um, but I definitely felt I was getting very comfortable. I wasn't learning as much as I could, and. Honestly, I felt I was kind of taking a risk uh, moving to Twitch and but I like love it so far because I'm learning so much like it's just there's just like so many things to learn. And honestly, like I don't think I could have ever found that kind of experience at Evernote. I probably could have found like other experiences, but I've been learning a lot. So, yeah, I think sometimes you can still be challenged at a company or even in, in the same role, like you could move roles in a company and find new challenges or you could stay in the same team or the same role and there constantly are challenges it just it depends like i've definitely been in cases where i'm like i'm not going anywhere new challenges in this particular role in and even in the company yeah i would say switching jobs every you know so many years i think has been a very good decision on my part because i i feel like you get diversity of experience where you see how you know, different companies do things and how they develop software is different between those companies. And you start to gain perspective about like what actually works and what doesn't work. And it helps you become, I think, not only like a better engineer, but maybe a better um, business person, a better person for working for any company because you've got that experience and you're like, oh, we tried it, that at this other place and that actually didn't work very well. And maybe you help the next place that you're at not go down a bad path or you know it it, it helps that i think a lot yeah you gain experience and, and remembering all the things that you learned from the last mm-hmm. time and being able to apply that which is really cool i think like early early on best advice or that i think back to is like not listening to my dad telling me the internet was a fad and waste of my time. <laughs> uh, like going into software development, I remember him being like, ah, I don't think that like, it's just kind of a waste. Like you got to do something different. And I'm so thankful that I never listened to that. So there's a perfect start in my career of advice. Don't listen to what my dad said. <laughs> I think I've been pushed a lot to not be a front end engineer or web developer. Like, and for me personally, my, the, I think, one of the best choices I've made is realizing that that is something that I really like doing. And I'm not going to listen to people that try and push me into those other paths because I know I'm not going to necessarily be happy um, in those in those places. So just being um, aware of what you like and, and standing up for that because companies will, you know, want to push you in places maybe that you don't want to do and, and you're going to be miserable. You're probably not going to do good work. Like, you know, take, take, 
take time to listen to what you like to do and, and then stand up for yourself too. I, I had this other reflection recently. Cheers. Cheers. It was needed. Yeah, but another reflection. Ah, gee. No. Wow. Yeah. That wasn't even played for. Okay, okay. It's an infinite loop. We can't get him out. I was looking in the mirror um, just now and. Um, <laughs> just always finding ways to wrangle away from the keyword. Um, yeah, I also, for whoever are the younger listeners who might be still be in college, um, I was kind of looking back at when we talked about the intern episode, and I definitely still believe this. You can totally find this. It's so, so competitive right now to like find jobs. There's so many jobs, but then there's also so many people trying to get into tech right now. And one of the biggest things that really helped me and I felt was very redefining was applying very early and then basically getting crapped on by a bunch of people at the career fairs. I actually, I didn't even know what I was doing. I, I had like zero tech experience on my resume when I was a sophomore in college and I went to this career fair as a recruiter <laughs> looked at my resume. I was like pretty much insulted <laughs> like that I gave him my resume. He's like, there's like nothing on here. Like you don't even have a major declared yet because that's just not, that, I just didn't. So, so honestly, and that was kind of a wake up call for me. I think definitely I felt uncomfortable going to that career fair. And this might go into what Jen was saying, you know, do things that make you uncomfortable. Just like try, see what happens and, you know, really like get yourself set up like early on because it will pay dividends like in the future. While you're doing that, you kind of have to fight the uh, imposter syndrome. You, know, Ooh, you yes. have to be aware yes. of that and consciously turn it down. I'm still learning. I don't know how to fight that imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, uh, I, I think a challenge I have these days is, yeah, imposter syndrome for sure. That's always going to happen. But you're you're actually fighting, I'm fighting my ego too, where I'm like, I'm actually pretty good at what I do. And I have to remember, like, there, there are tons of things I don't know. And it's like being a good software engineer is that balance in the middle between like being an imposter and being like overly confident. And like striking that middle is... I'll say near impossible. We're usually on one side or the other. And that is probably a lifelong struggle I'll probably always have. There's no way around that. Yeah, overconfidence is a terrible thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Staying humble is, is yes. great. The middle ground. Augustus, when you were uh, going to those career fairs, did you find, obviously, people were turning you down, but were you also making connections, too? Because I could also see that yeah. being a good networking uh, and making connections. Yep, yep. Yeah, it definitely was. Like, I got... I, I just grab business cards and you know i try to keep in touch with recruiters um but yeah yeah it, it definitely is definitely go to career fairs not just to, like get a sense of how like where you are at but then also to make like connections i also encourage people to just not even just career fairs like meetups in general i feel that is like a really really great way to like set yourself apart and meet new people because quite honestly the recruiting funnel it's just way easier to get recognized if someone internally refers you into yeah, the company. Most of my career has not been me cold submitting a yep. resume on a random site where I don't haven't talked to anybody from the company and hoped that I would get visibility. None of none of my jobs have been that. Yeah, it goes a long way if someone can say, Hey Stacy's amazing. You need to hire her. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm saying that now. So. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. What is the worst career decision you've all made? I'm sure there's some I'm sure there's more than one, but I'm curious on the worst one. Well, first, let's reflect because this is going to be a hard <laughs> one. Question. This is going to be a hard Cheers. one to swallow. Yikes. You are on point with that. Uh, for me, one of the worst criticisms I made was going to a job strictly for the money. 
like I switched jobs because I was like, you know, it turns out I can make you know, 50K more at this other job. And this my job that I had was underpaying me. So I switched jobs because they were just going to pay me more. But there were like a lot of red flags about like, this may not be the best place to work. And it was still like, I still got lucky and managed to meet some smart people and turn that into like a forward trajectory in my career. But overall, it was like a bad experience and it was... It was a mistake. Um, so I'd say that one of the worst career decisions I made is like going somewhere just because they pay you more. That's not the best way to go. So I've had a couple of situations <laughs> where uh, <clears throat> found a great company that I wanted to be at, but uh, I was uh, timid about negotiating and and my lack of negotiating skills, particularly early on in my career, was uh, was was really a hindrance to to me for years after that. Which you know. Learning to negotiate is an important skill for, for, for making sure your, your career moves like you want it to. That's a tough one, too. I, I feel like I've never been good at negotiating. It's like, especially you get the offer, you're excited, and it's like, oh, now I've got to negotiate a like salary. And that's it. It's tough. It's not an easy thing to do. I, I actually don't think I'm good at that either. But I guess that the, the best advice for that is what's the worst that they can say is, hey, you're completely off base. Like you're asking for way too much. How did you come to that conclusion? I mean, hopefully you've put a little bit of thought into like th- what you're throwing out there. But the worst that they can say is, nah, sorry, we can't meet that. And then you still have to decide whether they or not. They usually never like rescind the offer or anything. If Some that, people are afraid of that. So that just, would be super rare. I guess if you were like asking for a million dollars, like yeah. more than what they were offering <laughs> you, they might be they like, might hmm. be like, maybe we should dodge a bullet here. And this person is really not really clear on what they need or want. But I think if you're, even if you're off a little bit, it's the, no one's going to fault you for that. I think they may still not move. That's okay, too. I mean, as long as you're okay still taking the offer, you still get to make the final decision. I think one thing that I haven't done, which I feel like has been maybe a bad career management thing on my part, is trying to find mentors or career mentors. I haven't done that. And I think I've been seeing how that's been beneficial to a lot of people um, that I've worked with where they, you know, set up time with like, directors of directors or hire you know people higher up in the organization and just like to get advice and and career path management type advice and i haven't done that and i'm i think that i should i think that's probably a mistake that i haven't done that do you lean on like your manager for that or yeah i guess so i don't sometimes you feel like you don't want to waste people's time or like everyone's time is really valuable and you don't want to just set up random meetings with you know execs and feel like that's i don't know there's like you just i'm worrying too much about it probably and you should just do it probably yeah but i I think it's also (laughs) i think sometimes people just fault to their manager to do that too and i think one piece of advice i was thinking about and i'm guilty of that as well is not looking to other leaders in the company or even peers like a peer can be a very good person to bounce ideas off of for career growth and like also to give you feedback on things that you need to do to get there. Outside your company, there are other avenues as well. Uh, you know, my company is uh, uh, has an, uh, one of our investors actually has a uh, mentoring network, which is pretty fantastic. So you can just tap in on that, and uh, uh, you know, you can you can take advantage of anywhere from senior executives all the way down to uh, you know entry level managers as peers or as uh, as mentors. So, question for. Ryan and Michael and everybody else, but you, you two manage people. So what is the role of the manager 
in someone else's career growth? Great question. For me, I think it is definitely a role. I think it's important to think about your team's growth or the individuals on your team to grow. I think more for the business in that in that sense too, is that if I can help someone grow, they're going to be better because of it and they're going to be better for the team, all these different things. So it's, it's actually a good thing for the business. But I also think it's important as a leader to try and help others on the team, just even for their own career growth. And that might mean that they're not on your team anymore too, because there's opportunities somewhere else that is better aligned. Even though it sucks losing them because they were great, it's like you want to make sure that they're progressing in their career. But that being said, I also feel like it's a partnership. It's not my job to dictate how someone's career's growth is. Like I expect it to be a two-way street, almost even maybe less for me because I want that person driving a lot of it. I will support it 110%, but I also don't want to be like the one fully in the driver's seat. I should be in that passenger side seat or maybe in the back seat like an Uber and telling them where to go. Um, <laughs> but it's like, driver. yeah, backseat driver. <laughs> I, I am not the driver at that point. I, I'm always willing to help someone. But if if I have to feel like I'm the one driving, that's probably not the best thing. Yeah, for me, I, uh, you know, I kind of think of three different categories of people that uh, that I would give advice to. The people that report to me, and I'll give them typically specific advice, um, usually related to the rubric and their their actual performance, and and you know, kind of guide them to you're looking for a promotion in such and such time. Here are the things I would identify as areas of improvement, and maybe how you can get there. You know, what things you can do outside my team, looking at uh, people, you know, across the organization, whether they're in engineering or not, giving them more general career uh, advice and. Uh, and helping them navigate maybe difficult situations in the organization, which, you know, some people just have blind spots to those kinds of things. Uh, somebody that they trust that can give them uh, uh, advice is, uh, is usually helpful. And then outside the organization, um, uh, people who, who are at different stages of their career, maybe either trying to make a decision on which path they're going to take, uh, or likewise, uh, you know, other situations that they may have encountered. I, I've mentored interns, uh, or sorry, not interns, college students, uh, a number of times where you know they initially were looking for, you know, help getting through their their uh, the, the technical aspects, but actually ended up giving them career advice on how to move beyond you know the sophomore year in school to getting your first job and looking forward to uh, how to leverage that to your second job things like that. I, I like that to, to say to your point too about mentoring. If when you make it up as part of your career management is mentor other people, just not just because it's the right thing to do, but it helps like talking to people who are earlier in a stage helps you reflect on what you're going to do and it keeps you going too. And it's, it's a really interesting perspective. It just seems like work from the outside. Like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta call someone up and talk to them every day or something like that, whatever it is. But it really helps you look back and think, oh, yeah, this advice I'm giving, I should follow my own advice too and like shape your own career path. Also, I said reflect and know. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Yeah, I just also wanted to add, this is kind of related to what we were all saying, um, especially what Ryan, Michael, you were both saying. Um, I think one big mistake that I made early on in my career was not properly taking advantage of the one-on-ones with my manager. Like, totally believe that the one-on-ones are very driven by you. Like you have to drive your own career. Like I think it's great that the manager, you know, will step in and help help navigate you, but it's really on you to, and it's, as Ryan said, like it's really best if you can like manage your own career and like 
definitely take advantage of like your uh, manager like helping you and giving you advice on how you can get there like i think early on in my in my one-on-ones i never really was like clear about where i wanted to go i always just kind of was like trying to work hard and then hoping at the end of the performance review that like maybe a promotion would happen and stuff but if you have that conversation early on your manager can really help you and guide you internally in the workplace like what needs to happen but another advice i would give is don't be like so obsessed about promotion like focus on like tangible things that will help you in your career in the long run and then like that will eventually just like scream that you're like an excellent person whatever you're doing there was actually an excellent article in uh, medium not too long ago i can't remember it's called you don't need a personal brand uh you need to be useful (laughs) (laughs) i love that it is that's great It is an amazing article and it actually speaks to that. It's, you know, be the best you can be and grow, you know, from that. You'll, you'll actually get far more opportunities than you, if you spend time marketing yourself, branding yourself. That's really good. I like that. And also to the one on one, I feel like we could do like a full episode on that. Yeah, it's like yeah. the one on one is an interesting meeting that there's a lot to be said on like what the best value comes out of that. And a lot of it is asking those questions and talking about your own growth. And I agree with you. It is your time with your manager to be asking those types of things. Related to one-on-ones, if you ever get to your review cycle and you're surprised by the results, you you should take that as, uh, uh, you know, that that's your your notice to, to be more engaged in your one-on-ones. Yep. So. That's good advice. Yes. And to your point, I... That's some of the worst career management I've done is not take advantage of one-on-ones, not take advantage of like those meetings with the engineering manager or like chances to speak with leadership. Uh, and speaking of performance reviews, those time a year, twice a year, three, whatever, how often, often the cadence happened, asking your manager directly like, hey, I'm here. What do I need to get to the next level? Because they are your your technical therapist. Like they see your career from a third-party standpoint and they're invested in you somewhat. Like, not as much as you will. No one will ever be invested <laughs> as you will. But, like, having concrete questions to ask your direct manager to say, like, hey, you know, I I thought I was doing better or I'm actually doing really well. What's something I can continue doing and to m- put me to the next level, in your opinion? And, like, that's a concrete question that managers love to get and then can deliver, like, concrete answers versus, like, I want to be better. Better at what? better engineer what does that mean to you <laughs> yeah. and then like you know you can spend a half hour trying to suss that oh, out. i mean if you ask me yeah i want to be better i want to be a better engineer well what does that mean like i have no idea like that's a tough answer or how am i supposed to solve that problem that's, a, you, that's a hard thing and you like talk to 20 luckily you probably talk to 50 people under you like they they can't remember every detail of everything but if you ask them specific questions in those one-on-ones and say like hey specifically to me what can i do then i think that that has gotten me the best advice versus like general questions and hold them accountable too. Like, I think that's another thing is like constantly bring it up. Like, like you said, Jim, mm-hmm. they're talking to many people. They may forget certain things. So it's like, Hey, so we talked last time you, you gave me advice that I need to do X, Y, and Z. I've done pretty good on X still working on Y and Z. Have you been able to see this? Like any feedback for me, like ask those types of questions too. Um, I think that can be really helpful. Yeah. Kind of always confirm where you're at every one-on-one like make sure that you have the same understanding of where you're at with your manager at netflix we have something called the keeper test you can literally ask like would you keep me here it's like uh, it's a tough question to ask but (laughs) i will say people on my team have legitimately asked me that like do i pass your keeper test and if they do i will say yes but if they don't (laughs) well i guess i have to be pretty blunt and honest and, and talk why so yeah that happens. 
Ooh. Ooh. Awkward. <laughs> reflect. 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 <laughs> Run. How do each of you plan out your careers? Like, do you each sit around and like think about it? Is it every six months? Is it like how do you reflect on? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. But yeah, how do you plan your careers? My plan has been incredibly loose. My plan has been forever since the first time I went on the internet and learned that you can make something in a browser was like, I want to make things. I want to make things for the web. And that was it. And it's been that way. That's been the overarching strand throughout my entire career. And I I figured, you know, I'm like, oh, at some point I probably, maybe that won't exist. Maybe the web won't exist anymore. I'll totally have to like figure something else out. But so far that like has, 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 kept me in the path that I am happy in and that I like, you know, doing, but that's about as like deep as I've gotten with figuring out what do I want to do. I think that's fair though. And of course you've grown in that industry. You're continuing to grow in that industry. Yeah. And well, and cause it changes so frequently, you're constantly like re- almost relearning what you, what your job is every few years when new things, you know, are released, new frameworks, all the things. So it feels like a new job constantly, which also probably helps that 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 probably has helped the fact that I haven't had to sit back and be like, what do I want to do? I'm so <laughs> bored with making things to the web. It's gotten so boring. Like, it's never boring. So I've actually had to do that many times in my career. So I'm a, a little bit older than you, uh, all of you. Uh, <laughs> the internet didn't exist when uh, when I was... <laughs> When I was uh, early in my career. (laughs) I'm older than the internet. There's that. When was the internet? It's like 30 30 some years ago. The exact date, like 1990. 31, though. That that makes a difference. Yeah, that makes a difference because I might be older. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I actually started as a preteen programming and wrote code for a few years and then realized, you know, I I really wanted to go somewhere. At the point I was making that decision, I was a little, uh, say, say carefree and, and I... I thought there's no possible way I'm going to make uh, make college work, so I said, "Okay, well, let me see what my other options are." The Marine Corps actually had a fantastic program and uh, offered discipline, <laughs> which I I sorely needed at that point as a teenager. Yes. You're like, yeah, maybe I need that. <laughs> so I yeah I I, I took that uh, and uh, and then yeah kind of kind of leveraged it to springboard into more high tech, which was. Which was pretty cool. That is really cool. So yeah, you've definitely had to think about the career trajectory over your years of being a programmer. Absolutely. I've done systems level, hardware, actually UI. I've done three different times, uh, you know, web, <laughs> web at, at three different stages. I yeah. was, uh, you know, 1996, 97 on the original like DHDL. Oh, that was fun. Oh, not really. No, <laughs> it was so That's when I started, so but it was no fun. No good. <laughs> yeah. Even from then, like bringing back the memories, all you had was console log. You didn't have debugger statements. Like that was not a thing. Oh, no, it wasn't console log. It was alerts. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. just I, alerts. I actually, as you said, console log, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. It, you were throwing alert, which you could, you could have some fun with those alerts. Yeah. But yes, they were obnoxious. The only way to debug yes. something. <laughs> the other way actually was really to, uh, to, to expose uh, DOM elements, you know, mm. so you could actually do that. That's true, too. Yeah. Like tracing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one I think I could put in or add to that is once you get to a certain point in your career, you have to kind of try and decide because there's forking that happens. So you can decide to go maybe more people manager route or leading teams or stay more technical. And 
some companies don't offer those paths. Like there's companies of certain sizes that allow for that, but to kind of decide like, no, I really want to keep going from like senior to principal to, or staff or whatever the layers are. Cause maybe I'm self-aware enough to know like, Oh, management's not my thing or to, to go the other way. And those are, those are big like differences in career paths and they're big decisions. And I think like really thinking that through so that you're confident when, you know, your manager's like, Hey, you're doing great. You want to lead this team. Maybe you should go on this path. You have a good answer for that. Cause you know, if you've, if you like, if you want to do that or not. I love that you said it takes a lot of important planning because that didn't happen for me. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I was more on the technical lead aspect and being a lead front end engineer and like really love that. And I'd maybe thought management might be a thing, but hadn't really thought about it as a career plan or really put that together. And then just all of a sudden one day, here's a team. You're, ma- you're the new manager. And not that I hate that, but it was, it definitely got thrown in and I enjoyed it. I absolutely, well, I'm still doing that. Yeah. Um, could have chose not to do that, but it was a complete new challenge and I hadn't really planned for it. And it was just kind of thrown in my lap and it was sink or swim. I was like just below water. I don't know if I was like swimming, but just <laughs> bobbing along. I don't think I've ever told this story, um, but uh, I was a manager for a split second and it was a surprise also. And uh, it was one of the most entertaining parts of my career ever because of how it happened. Uh, I was working for a startup. Um, my manager's manager or uh, no, direct manager was like, hey, the team's getting really big. I was thinking maybe you'd be interested in managing like the UI team, like the front end. Uh, would you be interested in that? I was like, oh, um, let me think about it. You know, maybe that could open up some doors. Like there's some things I would like to do here. Maybe that would give me more um, the opportunity to do that. So I'm like, let me just think about it. As I'm thinking about it, the company was acquired. And we walked in one day and we were told to go um, to room <laughs> conference room A or conference room B which meant conference room A was keep your job, conference room B is not keep your job. And uh, conference room B, people had to walk out. I went to A, thankfully. But um, as part of going to conference room A, you got packets uh, for your new employment offer. And in that packet, it said manager of UI engineering. <laughs> and I had to sign it. It's and, and basically like sign it or be gone. Or walk, go to room B go, go to room point. B. And I was like... I guess I'm going to be a manager. I didn't really think about quitting today. I <laughs> So it was really intense. So I, I that's how it happened. Um it ended up being great and I really liked the team and I think I learned a lot. Um I eventually stepped back from that and went back to more IC kind of thing, but yeah, surprise your manager that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing stepping back from it either because I do think you get experience that will make you a stronger inter- individual contributor at that point. Too. Definitely. I had the same thoughts about like cuz I'm kind of there right now. It's do I want to be a people leader or do I want to be a technical leader? And I was talking to uh one of my friends Cole at work. He's like, Jim, there's actually a third option. I was like, what do you mean? Because I was like agonizing about like, which way do I want to go? I still don't know. But he was like, no, there's a third option. You could just be a really good engineer. You don't have to be either. You can just stay current with everything and you don't have to lead. You don't have to be a technical leader, which is true. And probably most people end up there. We don't, we always think we're going to be natural leaders, but that's not true. You can just keep going to job to job, never being a manager or leader. Just pumping out good work. 
Yeah, that that's not for me specifically because I, I think over time you become a leader by default. Like if you're at a company for 10 years, people are going to look to you. Whether you want it or not, you are responsible and the new people are going to come and be like, oh, Michael, how do I do this? And it doesn't matter if you want a leader or not, you're going to. So I don't recommend that. But we all, most people end up there traditionally. That's usually what I, I think of as technical leadership as opposed to technical management. Technical management would be like what I do. Um, so kind of hands on on the code. And then the, the third option is strictly people management, which is you don't you don't deal with any of the technical aspects, maybe not even the project aspects. Um, different companies have different options on those. And good companies have all three available. I But I'll say this in general, in, ter- in terms of career management, I've not seen many at any company, I've not really heard of any where that offers a path to technical management. Like you don't really hear much from that side of people. You hear a lot from like great VPs or um, great leaders, but they're leaders of people. You don't hear people like, um, who's a good example of technical leader? Like John Carmack, uh, like famous, created Doom. Yeah, like software. Yeah. yeah, it's software, like really famous, like brilliant guy. Definitely a technical leader. Someone that leads leads the way in terms of like VR and things like that. Thinking about like how we create spaces in 3D. But that's a technical leader. But you don't see them going out giving speeches on, here's how I became a technical leader very often. And that's something I struggle with too. Like if I want to become a great engineering leader, like really technical, what's the path to do that? Mm, that's a great point. Yeah, I think it's harder to define. I think that's why it's like, that's what makes it really difficult yeah. for people to see or understand is because I don't think there is a single path towards it. Yeah, I think it comes to uh, actually developing the strong technical skills, like really um, establishing trust in your own organization on the technical level and also demonstrating that you have um, really good people skills. Um, once you have those, you're you're kind of naturally fit for that type of role, and and people will gravitate towards that. That's true. I, I think the one of the the issues is not every organization has that. Like, right. oftentimes what will happen is you'll be the best engineer in an organization. Like you can, I mean, not often, but you could be like stellar. You know all the code inside out. You know the architecture. You're always the one creating things. People know to go to you. But because you don't have a title change and you don't have a title of like manager. You don't necessarily get recognized for that. So it's really trust in the company to say, oh, crap, this person's actually really good and they should be paid the same level as a VP or something because that's the level of impact they have. But you, you find that at some large companies, but oftentimes smaller companies, they don't have that concept of, of that. So it's something to just switch jobs all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the right way of going about career management, but the way I've been doing it is I think management is something I'm interested in, but I also just love engineering. So I've just been trying to find ways to dabble in management. So looking for tech lead opportunities or managing a project and um, really like specking out, trying to find opportunities to spec out projects and stuff. And then, so, and th- so it's like really focusing on what short, what things I can do in the short term to achieve those long-term goals. But then at the same time, I'm also like saying, well, management is also something I'm not interested in. If I wanted to be a very, very senior engineer, what are like things I would need to learn or what are things that I would need to know how to do or what I would want to know how to do to be a senior engineer. And I try to just like add little stepping stones for myself. I don't know if you, if any of you have thoughts on that. That's just what I, I think mean. that's such a good one is like, try, <laughs> try the things out. You yeah, may like, hate it and that's okay. Yep. Last thing, this is something I thought was really cool. I've never seen any other place that I've worked. They have this path called associate manager where you try it out 
basically you take on that role for like a certain number of months or period time period and then at the end of it you know you both have the discussion like do you did you like it do you think this is the where you want to continue going and then the reverse side like the company thinks you did a good job and if that (laughs) that matches then you know keep going with it but i thought that was really cool because i think some people think maybe I want to do management, but not to just totally swap and, and go full on. And do you have direct reports at that time? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we wow. do the same thing at Lending Home. Uh, we don't have a, a separate role for that. Any engineering manager, anybody can can ask to try it out. Uh, try it out for as long. If you realize two weeks in you're you're, you're not going to like it, you, you can just step back. That's cool. Which I start with a little bit in the sense that I feel like you have to almost give it a year. Like, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's not a magical year, but I feel like you really have to give it a while before you truly know. I like the hints of it, though, is like, are these the types of tasks that I want to do? But I think once you're in it, especially with direct reports, it's like, you got to figure that out for a little while. There should be a bit longer of a timestamp. It's kind of like Jem was talking about earlier, getting out of your comfort zone. You mm-hmm. you re- can yep. really only figure out if you like it once you've figured out for a while. Yeah, right. Like the two weeks, you're like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And then like two weeks later, it's like, wow, I think I figured some things out. Yeah, agreed. All right. Before we get into picks, I'm curious. We kind of roughly, I some ideas around how to better plan for your career, but I would love to, you know, as some last advice for our listeners what advice would you give for planning someone's career? I think I've given this advice on a few other episodes, but I, I continue to revisit it because I think it's important. I was just having uh, lunch with a friend today who did this same thing, is the the, the values spreadsheet. So um, write on a spreadsheet the various characteristics of things you're looking for in life and then match that up with a company and what they offer. So like if you really value work-life balance, make sure the company that you're looking at and the role you're looking at offers it and then kind of put weights on those things. And then it just helps you make a decision that's really kind of a complicated decision weighing all those things in your head. It makes it nice and clear and nerdy. Nerdy spreadsheet helps (laughs) make it very clear. You need to open source the spreadsheet. Maybe I should. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's my next startup idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Stacy stole mine. (laughs) Well, well, not exactly yet. But uh, well, okay. So there's three things. um, Two of them we've already talked about, which is once um, start early. And then the second is, uh, you know, really take advantage of the one-on-ones. Um, but the third one that I was going to say, which is pretty similar to what Stacy was saying, is really write it down and do like check-ins every now and then. Like like really concrete r- write down what is your like career goal. Maybe like if you want, you can do like five years, 10 years and then write why. And actually like something that um, my current manager, he like started challenging me saying was, so I told him, oh, you know, management is something that I'm curious about and I'm interested in. And he would ask me, why are you interested in that? And then I'll try to list reasons. And then he asks, asks the question, which is really hard to answer. He's like, okay, well, you could find those things in other roles. So why management? And then it really makes you start thinking about why that is something you want to do. So I, I definitely think really writing it down, write the reasons down, and then revisiting it every now and then really like helps you align in what you really want. Uh, I'd say the one-on-one advice is, is great. Like have have concrete questions to ask your direct uh, manager that like have concrete answers, not like, well, I want to do better. I want to be more impactful or something like that. Like ask like, firmer questions so they can respond to you in a firmer way. Um 
in general, I'd say like you, uh, you would, um, Stacey, you're saying, uh, Augustus, like have a plan, have a five year plan, have a 10 year plan. Don't just like bounce around. It's really easy, especially when you get your first job and then you're like, well, I want to do something a little different. You get your second job. And before you know it, you're like 60 and you just bounce around and didn't really have a, a firm plan. Like have a plan of some sort. Um, cause you have to manage your career or it will manage you. You'll end up somewhere one way or the other. Uh, I think my last advice would be if you're moving to a company, look how they treat career management. Like look how they treat the people on the way out. And do they celebrate that? Do they say like, Stacy's moving on. She, she's like a manager. She's moving to like some harder technical role at some other company. Good for her. Like that, that's what we hope for everybody. We want everybody to do better. Or is it, they just kind of push you out and they're like, Oh yeah, they, they left. Don't worry about that. And I've seen both. And those have been greater reflections on the culture of the company more so than almost anything else I've seen. Uh, and sorry, I said the last one, but one, one more one, make friends with people who are like aspirational, who want more out of life because you, you will become who your friends are and the people you associate with. So if you associate people who are like, I want to be distinguished engineer at Microsoft someday. And like you watch these people and they'll slowly get there. You want to be friends with those people and like you want them to motivate you in life because you will, you are who your friends are eventually. So like find those people that are just like smarter than you and, and better than you and like really want things in life. And that is a good way of just like motivating yourself. Cheers. He said, he said the word. I, Cheers. I didn't want Cheers. to. I didn't, I didn't. Good listening. Yeah. yeah. I just really want to drink. So. <laughs> just kidding. So I also like what you kind of playing off that a little bit, Gem, too, is that uh, I think even just straight up asking the company when you're interviewing with them, what does growth look like? What are some like yeah. try and understand what growth looks like for certain engineers on the team or for the management path, many different paths, because I don't think like unless you really, truly know that I want to be an engineering manager at some point, that could be one path. But I think also just asking what uh growth has looked like for others on the team as well i just yeah i just added a new interview question to my list like such a good one when was the last time you promoted someone and why when you're talking to the manager that's a great question wow that's a fantastic question i'm scared to ask that question but it's a great question (laughs) (laughs) you know what augustus get out of your comfort (laughs) i know i know that's true that's true no that is a really good question I think another thing is don't get bogged down by the tactical things. I think a lot of the times we think about like, especially as engineers is like, I want to learn a certain language or I want to be better at performance or those are all great things. But thinking about when you're thinking about career management, it's, it's a broader spectrum. It's like, those are little tiny steps that may lead to what you want, but really reflect on like what it is you're looking for. Cheers. 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 <laughs> kind of just the, the last thought on that uh, is be flexible. Don't be rigid. Um, be open to um, new things that come up. We, we work in technology. Things change all the time. You can't make a five-year plan and expect that five years from now is going to look exactly like it does now. Um, be open to new opportunities. You know, you, you, may, you may not know what's coming around the bend. And, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, your short-term plan doesn't look at all like, uh, you know, what 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 your actual path ends up being and sometimes that's a really good thing so i love that too because I, when i think back to us talking about really early on in the episode saying about a great decision we made was moving to the bay area like i made that decision in like a month like it was just kind of like 
all right, let's do this. Like it was, there wasn't a lot of preemptive thinking to that. So I, I think you're right. Like be flexible. I love that as an ending note. All right. At the end of each episode, we like to choose picks of things that we want to share with our listeners, things that we've found interesting. Let's go around the table and share our picks for today's episode. Augustus. Sure. Um, so I have two picks. One is uh, I'm starting to do a lot more Go. Um, at Yeah. So Twitch is a very heavy Go, Go laying. A lot of our microservices are written in Go. Um, and so I've been learning Go. Um, and I found a really awesome style guide that was written by Uber. Uh, so I'll, we'll have a link in the show notes. So that's something that I've been looking at and I thought it was really good. Um, and then the second one, which happened, which happens to be written go, I was kind of surprised is, uh, a project called open Diablo two and someone, uh, open source, they created Diablo two and it's all open source on GitHub. And a lot of the code is written in go. And I was like, holy crap crab cakes this is insane so i thought that was really (laughs) holy crab snackles you know (laughs) yes find innovative words all right stacy what do you have i've got two music picks uh the first one is uh by a musician uh called andy stott uh who i really really like probably one of my favorite electronic musicians um he just released a new album called it should be us um it's been described, let's see, experimental dub techno, part Detroit techno, part 80s adventure movie. So give you, give you a little taste of what that's like. Uh, and then the second pick is um, last night I went to go see Sleater Kinney at the Fox Theater in Oakland, which was really, really great. Um, they just released a new album called The Center Won't Hold. Um, sort of indie rock punk mix uh, for genre. Um, they've been around for a while, since the mid-90s. Um, and uh, Carrie Brownstein is in it, so maybe you might be familiar with her. She's uh, done uh, Portlandia, the TV series, so she's multi-talented. All right, Michael, what do you have for us? All right, I think I have uh, two picks. Uh, the first one's pretty straightforward. Uh, you some Somebody has recommended uh, Freed Co. Camp before, but their code radio has not been, and that's um, some sweet, sweet jams to code by. It's really amazing. Um, just even if you're not coding, which, you know, we're always coding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's really fantastic. Uh, super enjoyable. Um, and the other is, uh, you know, my, my drink of choice today. I actually found it originally in uh, the financial district in San Francisco uh, at a bar called Marengo on the Alley, which is utterly brilliant. And if you have an opportunity, stop by I have not there. tried that one. Okay, okay now I'm adding it to the list amazing all right jim what do you have for us uh, i've got two picks uh first one is uh, an article on alligator.io called css unix explained really helpful because there are units in css that i didn't even know about like i didn't know about vmin and vmax and uh, but they explain the difference between like percentage and rems and m's and vh and vm and like all these other things which like ex i'd never heard of that Unit, but anyways, they explained it all really well. It's a really solid article. Uh, and my Valley Silicon pick is actually a throwback. Remember when I said I that hundred dollar toothpaste? You bought it. I bought it. What? Well, <laughs> here you go. This is this is good podcasting. But this is Theodens uh, three hundred. It is a hundred dollar tube of toothpaste. What? To be fair, I didn't buy it. One of our our loyal listeners bought it for me. Uh, I feel like I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> Yes, if you all want to brush your teeth with this $100 tube of toothpaste, I'm sure your teeth will feel 
$100 richer. It smells through the box. Wait, what makes it's, it $100? I mean, the it, box. Feel the box, is it man. Gold? There's like gold on the box. Oh, that is like, a nice box. It says it's a revolution in oral care. <laughs> oh. But it's not. Where does it say ADA approved? <laughs> I don't know. It it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Uh, wow. That's what the $99 is paying for is their backup insurance plan. <laughs> So if any of you have more uh, ridiculously expensive things that probably shouldn't exist, but they do because people have too much money, go ahead and send it to me on Twitter under uh, hashtag Valley Silicon. And if you want to buy me more stuff, feel free. Like I, you will I will, test always, them. You I will, will test sell them. out so hard in a second. <laughs> All right. I have two uh, picks, uh, both fairly relevant to our topic that we're talking today. today. There's an engineer on our team, Nazanin. She wrote a article on called The Pivot Point. It's, it's really about how to excel in your career and pivot your growth along the way. Uh, it really outlines a lot about what we've been talking about today, about thinking about the long-term plan versus short-term tactical. Uh, it's a really great read. I highly recommend reading that one. And then there's one of my favorite articles that I will always go back to when I think about giving feedback. It's, it's called Radical Candor, and it's, it's really about how to give direct feedback and actionable feedback and I think there's a lot of really really great material there and to me ultimately when you're giving or receiving feedback I think that's an important piece for your growth as an engineer as a person anyone in your career I think it's really valid so definitely check out that uh, article as well before we end the episode I want to thank Michael for joining us thank you it was a pleasure having you where can people find you? <laughs> Interestingly enough, I have virtually no internet presence. Wow, we're talking about the internet <laughs> here. And yes, you're, you're the ghost of the internet. Even, even the public images of me are not of me. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty Ooh. impressive. Yes. Next level. Yep. So can they phone you, mail you, uh, come <laughs> to your address. Yeah. <laughs> the dark web. <laughs> Load up the old tour. Get going. <laughs> so you can find me on my personal website, michaelgaskill.com. Right now. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Twitter at FrontNHH. Any last words? If you put two mirrors next to each other, they reflect infinitely. Oh, oh the infinite loop. Cheers. Cheers.